Is that okay? Is it gonna? Does it need to go up? Yeah, it's gonna okay. <laughs> Is that right, Russ? No. Not okay. <laughs> okay, not this one. How are you all? It's good to see you. Uh, no. Thank you, thank you. So we are on our last Ephesians series. Hey, we've done. This will be our twelfth. Wonder how many of you have managed to be at every single one. I know I haven't. Various things have happened, and but I I had the privilege of starting the series, and I get the privilege of ending the series. That's quite cool. I did one in the middle, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> Chapters one to three, remember, were all about this incredible salvation that we have. Four, right the way through to six, verse nine, where Glendon got to last week, we're all about, well, okay, we have this incredible salvation. How do we apply it? How do we live worthy of our calling? Now, Paul gets into battle talk. So, ladies and gentlemen, warriors in God, gird your loins, and may you be inspired to fight the fight that we have in God. I want to tell us a story. Well, remind you of a story. I don't know how many of you know it. Who's heard of the emperor's new clothes? Not in the Bible. <laughs> so it's a folktale, and it's written by Hans Christian Andersen. It's, a, and for the, it's lovely folktales. He wrote it about 185 years ago. I'm not going to give you the full story, but essentially, this emperor is conned. These swindlers come, and he loves clothes, by the way. He loves clothes. He loves to look dandy. And these swindlers come and say, we can make you the most magnificent clothes. No one has ever seen clothes like these. They are unbelievable. But there's a little catch to these clothes. And I'm quoting what, how Hans Christian Andersen puts it. They're invisible to any man who was unfit for his office or, and I love this, unpardonably stupid. <laughs> so in other words, if you can't see these clothes, you're stupid. So guess what happens? They sew away and no one can see anything. But no one's going to say they can't see anything because that might say they're stupid. And the emperor doesn't want to say he can't see anything because then he was unfit for his position. And so the charade goes on, and eventually this emperor parades through the town. There he is, stalkers. The, the, the guys behind him see are even carrying this invisible train because no one wants to admit he's naked until one little boy says, but he's got no clothes on. Ladies and gentlemen, we are naked. And I don't just mean, I don't mean physically. We are naked spiritually when we come into this world. And until the day we are born again, we remain naked. When we become clothed, the Bible tells us, is when we accept the free gift of salvation made possible by the blood of Christ, and we are clothed with Jesus. There are rogues, and the rogues want to tell you, no, 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 look at you, you're so famous, you're, you've got dignity, you're clothed, or you've got so much money, or you're so clever. 
etc., etc. Everything the world says we need to have. You're not naked. You're fantastic. We are naked until we are clothed with Christ. That is the reality that the, the gospel tells us. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Last, I'm going to read 10 of the verses. So verse 10 to 20. So can I say, you might say, but okay, but I'm, I'm clothed. I'm a, I'm a child of God. But the truth is, we go out naked. We are clothed with righteousness. But when we do not play our part, we are naked before the demons and the devil. And he gets a little arrow in. So that's what Paul's addressing now. He's addressed salvation. He's addressed that we are clothed with righteousness. But now he's saying, but wait a minute, Christian. There's more that you and I need to do every day, all day, until the day we die. The battle is on. We sung it this morning. When will the battle be over? When he comes or when we die? That's when the battle is over. You are in a battle today, and you're going to be in a battle. It means I don't want to be in a battle. Guys, we're in a battle. There's a battle for the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness will try and stop it every day, all day. We are enemy number one. So read with me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, so he's wrapping up his letter. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Oh Lord, as I, just, as I read that, I pray that for myself, Lord God, that I may speak your words boldly. Lord, this is your word. I'm a vessel that you, you happen to be using today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that I will be humble and available to whatever you want to say today to each of these precious, precious people that you love so much. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
So I've split this preach into three main categories. The enemy, the strategy, and the weaponry. So starting with the enemy, that verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The devil is alive. He is a personal being. He hates God. He hates Jesus. He hates the word of God. And he hates you and me. He has power, incredible power. He has power over nature. He has power over animals. He can access your heart. He can confuse your mind with false doctrine. He can sow lies. He can spread the spirit of fear. He attacks us with evil thoughts, with depression, discouragement, resentment, with pride. Do you feel uncomfortable? We need to. This is real. It's not story out there, and it's for each one of us. He is alive. And he has an army. All the fallen angels, not all of them, but many of them are, as we call them, demons, cosmic, as they said, their powers, all these things. They have a hierarchy. There's big ones and little ones. There's ones over cities. There's ones, little ones are just, and what are they doing? They're watching us all the time. They're here, as are his angels, as is the Holy Spirit. There is a spiritual world. We live in the physical world, but the spiritual world is ever so real. Very, very, very real. And these demons have the power to attack us. They have that power. Notice the verse said, we wrestle. Guys, it doesn't say we sometimes wrestle. It doesn't say only the bad ones wrestle. It doesn't say only you haven't read your Bible wrestle. We wrestle. Everyone, all the time, until we die. Now remember, I'm talking about the enemy. It's real. Wrestling, have you watched wrestling? They're literally grappling with each other, aren't they? It's arm-to-arm, face-to-face combat. That's how we wrestle. We don't fight over there. We wrestle. In our minds, in our hearts, we wrestle. Notice it says, not with flesh and blood. Enemy number one is not, I'm not saying it's not an enemy, but enemy number one is not our sinful nature. Enemy number one is not this horrible world and all these temptations and all this stuff that's out there and other people. Enemy number one is the devil. That is what our fight is. Now, do you see why we cannot do this on our own? We cannot. We are foolish. Any good battle, you got to know your enemy, don't you? You don't. Why? So you know how you can fight him. You can know where he's weak. And that's why we have to know this enemy. So God has a strategy. 
God has a strategy, and he's made it evident throughout the Bible. We happen to be focusing on it in Ephesians 6. So, the I've taken this into three parts. The first part of the strategy, verse 10. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong. Be strong when you're facing sin, the temptation to sin. Be strong when God says, walk in the patterns of this, of my world, not in the patterns of this world. And everyone mocks you. Ugh, how can you not believe that? So old-fashioned, you're out of date. Why are you behaving like that? Why aren't you accepting these people? Be strong. When it feels like God is not there, he's left the building. Be strong. Until the day we die, my, at my age, 63, I think, <laughs> almost three. <laughs> be strong, Lainey. Don't, oh, but I'm old. I can't do this. No, I have to be strong. But, guys, it's not okay. Bring it on, dudes. Who's it being strong in? Be strong in the Lord and the might of his strength. He is the one who is strong, stronger than the enemy, way stronger than the enemy. And he is the one who gives me, is my strength. One of my husband's favorite verses, Philippians 2 verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So guys, when you're fighting, guess what? He's working. He's doing what he does. We got to do our bit. Because he loves us, because he sent Jesus on the cross, believe in his strength. Believe that you can rest in his strength. Believe it. Believe it. Every single day. Strategy two, second part of the strategy, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, our enemy number one. We've said we're naked. Now, guys, I hope that gives you compassion for non-Christians. They're naked. They have nothing to fight Satan and demons. They don't have anything. They are weaponless. But we're not. We're not weaponless. We are fully armed to fight this fight of the kingdom of God while we are on this planet Earth. Notice it says, put on. Put on. That's who's, he doesn't say he will put on, does it? It says, hey, you Christian, hey, Lainey Curran, put on the armor of God. And then when I've got it on, have faith, not in the, here the, the, in you, the, the emphasis here, not in the armor of God. Have faith. In the God of the armor. Yeah. 
have faith in the God of the armor. It's the armor is, is his armor. He's going to work it. He's going to make it happen when we give him access because he is God and he is, he is the conqueror. Notice that it says, put on the whole armor. He adds words in here. Every area of my life. Do I only wear the armor when I'm at church and at youth group and in life and then, you know, all the pretty stuff comes out? Do I have the armor everywhere and in every part of my, my being, every part of my thinking? Well, that little area, God, it's, I don't want you to have access there. That needs armor. Every area of our life, every sphere of our life, every relationship of our life, you name it, it needs armor. And I would challenge myself and you today, and I've been, because I've been prepping this, where are you unarmed? Where do you know you're not carrying this armor? And giving Satan access. And then we stand. The only way we stand, and it says stand against the schemes of the devil, enemy number one. The only way we stand is with the whole armor, and that means an intimate relationship with our God, knowing his word. I love Psalm 19. It's one of my favorite psalms. It talks about the heavens declare the, the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. And then it goes on about the incredibleness of Scripture. And there's one little verse in there. It talks about, sorry, it talks about Scripture's like gold and it's like honey and all these nice things. And there's a little bit phrase that says, verse 11, moreover, he's talking about the word, by them your servant is warned. What are we warned about? The wiles of the devil. We're warned by Scripture. Credible, hey, we have. And then I want to say, so we're intimate with God, we're knowing His Word, we're open to Him in every aspect of our lives, and then, guys, you know why we stand? Because at the cross, Satan was defeated. That's an interesting thing here. You know how we say we are saved we are being saved and we will be saved. It's that thing that only God understands. In the same way, Satan has been defeated at the cross. But he is being defeated every single day by you and I. When we put on the armor of God and we enter the battle, willingly or unwillingly, I guess, Satan is being defeated. And then one day, he will be defeated forever, and he'll be thrown in the lake of fire. But you cannot, guys, live and think, well, it's just done. It's not done. He is alive and well, and he's, what's it, like a lion looking for someone to devour. But we have the armor of God. We have the strength of God. God outwits him every single time, every single time. It's actually a joke. You'd think he'd learn, but he doesn't. <laughs> think about Joseph and his brothers. They did an evil plan. Let's get the brothers to send him away and get rid of him forever. What did God do with that evil plan? And Joseph acknowledged it right at the end. What the devil intended for harm, 
God has turned for good. And the whole nation of Israel was supplied with food. What does God do with the temptations that we fall when we sin? What does God do with those if we allow him? He grows us, doesn't he? We get stronger and we become more like Jesus. He uses them for good. And you know what? The most incredible thing, he never, ever, I'm talking about God, ever stops loving me. Satan keeps on thinking, if I get out of sin, God's going to, and we think like that sometimes. Well, look what I've done. How can God love me? That's a lie. <laughs> he keeps on loving us no matter what we do. It's ridiculous. He loved us even before we accepted him as Lord and Savior. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us all the time. Third part of the strategy, verse 13, 12 was the thing about the enemy. Therefore, take up. He's just said put on, hasn't he? But now he's emphasizing it again. Do you think it's important? He says, and he uses a different verb. Therefore, take up. He used put on. Now he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. You think, well, you're repeating yourself, Paul. I think it's important. And having done all to stand firm, to stand firm. The interesting thing in the Greek behind that word take up, it's a present verb. So you're doing it again and again. You can't just say, okay, I got the armor on. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm ready. Every day, take it up. Take it up. Take it up. Think about it. Take it up. Keep it fresh. The devil, and I've painted who he is, and it's real. The hosts that he has with him, they're real, but they are totally and utterly resistible. We, in God, with his armor, with his strength, we, silly human beings, can resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That powerful being will flee from you. We have to fight. But we don't fight alone. We fight with Jesus right here. And that ending is actually victorious because it says, having done all to stand firm, you're on the winning side. You do and will have the victory. You don't have to ever think, well, I'm defeated. You are not in Christ defeated. You will stand firm forever. Isn't that incredible? What a, what a God we serve. And now he tells us the weaponry. It's an interesting way. Go and read it again. Because it's almost like the first three, which is the belts and the breastplate and the shoes, there's, almost a, there's quite a permanence to them. But the next three, which is the helmet and the shield and the sword, we have to, there's more there's a wakefulness and a watchfulness that's required of us. Does that make sense? So three of them are pretty stable. <laughs> they can be improved. But the last three, you've got to work at, guys. You've got to work at and be very vigilant with them. So again, he says, stand. Stand, therefore. He keeps on telling us to stand. That's our position. Stand. Wherever God has placed you, 
Stand. Don't try and stand in places he hasn't placed you. Stand. Let's look at each one of these. The belt of truth. So the belts, um, in, if you read the New King James and older version, it, it talks about girding your loins. Now I have a picture here. I hope it came through. Have we got that picture of the belt? It covered the loins. So the belt, it went round the waist and it covered. Why? Because when you read the Bible, often it talks about power coming from the loins. That's sort of like a seat of power. It covers the, the gap between the bottom of the armor and the top of the armor, covers it. And it keeps it all together. It's tight. You know, it's secure. It's, it's got everything here. It's, it's got it all together. That's your belt. And the belt is the belt of truth. Two, I would like generally two types of truth. There's the truth of the doctrine, and there's the truth of the heart. Truth of the doctrine is the whole counsel of God. To know the truth of what is the gospel, the, the big picture. That is the truth. God puts it in us. We can improve it, but it's there, the truth of who he is. The truth of the heart is your sincerity, your sincerity to pursue to the best that you can the goodness and the holiness of God, the truth of God, who he is. The breastplate of righteousness. Try and hear me carefully here. Righteousness is imputed by Christ for the believer. When I get born again, psh, imputed. You are righteous in Christ. But there's another part to righteousness. We call that justification for the words. There's a righteousness that is imparted by Christ. Did you notice each time? Who's it by? By Jesus, by Jesus, by God. By Christ in the believer. What is that? Sanctification. As we, with Christ's power, he does the work. We yield ourselves. That's essentially it. We start living up. And becoming more like the righteousness we already have in God. Does that make sense? That's what it is. So breastplate protects this. It protects, my heart. it protects all my vital organs, doesn't it? Everything here, all these pictures are to help us to understand what they're doing. If I get thrown a dart and it hits me in the arm, I'll probably survive. But if a dart pierces my heart, I'm dead. So we've got this breastplate of righteousness. He can't kill you, the devil. He cannot get there. You have the breastplate of righteousness. So you never need to fear. You can be bold because you have your breastplate of righteousness, imputed and imparted. It's interesting that the, the belts and the breastplate are put together in one line. So he putting, he's putting truth and holiness together. So you think of somebody like John in 1 John 1, 6. He says, if we say we have fellowship 
with him. While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Do you see what John's doing? He's connecting our holiness and our knowledge of the, of the truth. The belt and the breastplate go together. We, to, to worship him this morning, we need to be holy. To, to work out my calling, I need to be holy. To live in this world, I need to be holy. Holiness is necessary for fighting sin, breastplate of righteousness. The spiritual shoe. I learned such a lot on the shoe. I've never really understood the shoe. I've always thought, what, you know, what's this shoe bit? He says, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I've always heard this preached, and I may be wrong, but I've always said, in what I think it is now, that you know, it's about going out and spreading the gospel. I don't think that's what he's saying here. There's no, we do go out. But it's not the weapon that he's talking about. So he says, shoes, as shoes for your feet, having put on, notice it's like it's there already, readiness given by the gospel of peace. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It is only the good news of Jesus that brings peace. That's it. Nothing else will bring you peace. Peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with others. Now, why do we put shoes on? Why did these Romans, where's that picture? Why did they strap those shoes on when they went to fight? Well, if they were fighting on stony ground and their bare feet would have been, you know, you can't stand, it's so sore, and I've got to get out of here. But if you've got these good, strong shoes on, what can you do? You can better fight. So just as you need shoes for your feet, you need the gospel of peace for your soul and your will. Because if you have this gospel of peace, you can stand and fight when there's trials, when there's tribulation, when you're suffering, you've got the gospel of peace. So you're not Ana. You can stand. Isn't that incredible? We have that gospel of peace. We can face any terrain, any circumstance. The shield. I think these last three we know really well. And these are the ones, there's a dude, how strong, how cool that thing is. Notice how big that shield was. Almost the size of a door, you know, and they had, they, we would hold it up. So it protects the whole body. But the language here, and I'm going to read 6 verse 16, in all circumstances, so when? Always. Take up. Do you hear that? Can you see it's not, there's a difference in the way, all these three, last three, there's a, there's a much more active part in us. We have to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It's a shield. So when you've got the shield, you know, you can move it wherever it's coming from. The shield, it doesn't matter where the enemy tries to come. Take up your shield of faith. We apply faith. What does that mean? Knowing, how can we apply faith? Well, when I know God's promises, when I know God's character, when I know God's power, I say, wait a minute, devil, that's a lie. God says, da-da-da-da, 
in each and every circumstance, whatever I face. No, no, no. And you tell him, God says. So buzz off. And he will. So when that thought's coming and you're spiraling into a place, what do I do? What do we have to do? We argued yesterday about my stupid thing. But anyway, we argued. It was ridiculous. Anyhow, we were fine. But as I said, I thought, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. And I think, no, devil, I'm not going to think like that. I'm not going to think like that about Terry. It's a lie. And I told, I told the devil how good he was. What was I doing? I was holding up the shield of faith. I knew what God says about my husband. And I was fine. So instead of sulking for 600 days, it was over in a few, in few seconds. That's how we should be. Are you holding grudges? Hold up the shield of faith. It's not of God. It's a lie of, the, of Satan. It's a lie of the devil. Fight him, guys. We fight him a lot here. Well, I do. I'm sure you do too. A lot. Each and every circumstance, he goes, well, what about, what about, what about? <laughs> Hold up your shield of faith. Get that arrow out of the way. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Helmet of salvation. We are saved. And if you're not saved, can I say with deep respect, you're naked and you need to get saved. Get dressed today, please. Now, seriously, though, it's in a serious matter. We have the helmet of salvation. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will one day be thoroughly saved. Body, soul, and spirit. We have the victory. And look at the, those, what those helmets were in those days. They had these incredible plumes. And if you look at them, they're all different shapes and colors. And apparently they... They knew, you know, there's a dude, because they could see his, his nice fancy helmet coming down in the, in the, in the battle. They knew who was where and who, who, was, what was, who was doing what. Are you wearing your helmet with your feathers proudly? You are a child of Christ. You have the victory. Not because of anything of you, but because of him. We can walk around knowing our God is winning. Our God will be the final victor, no matter what I see around me. Let's be proud. Let's wear our helmets of salvation. And obviously the protection, that's just what it looks like, but it protects the head. You can get knocked on the head, you know, but if you're riding a bicycle and you're wearing your helmet, and you get knocked on the head, what happens? You survive because you've got that helmet of salvation. We will be victorious in Jesus. And then the sword of the spirit. Now, this sword was a dagger. It's not a long sword. They had a spear. It doesn't mention the spear, but they had, it was a dagger. And when, do you, you can't, when you use a dagger, remember we said we wrestle against flesh and blood? The dagger is for close, conduct, close combat. We need that dagger. It is the word of God. At the right time, exact circumstance by his Holy Spirit. Guys, again, I have to emphasize, we've got to be reading his word. We've got to be putting it in because he, the devil knows the word too and he respects the word. He knows, hey, okay, I don't go that route. I'm gonna try another route. 
and he will keep on trying. The more of the word we have, the more we can tell the devil. What, how did Jesus, when he, when he resisted the devil in the wilderness, what did he do? He quoted the word straight back at the devil. Devil quoted it, but he's, he always messes it up. He always gives it as falsely. Let's know the word. How much of the logos, do you see how you need to take up? The logos is the word. God, the Holy Spirit turns it into rhema, into life. So those are our six weapons. What's missing in that weaponry? Think about something that you think as a Christian we should be doing, but it's not mentioned as a weapon. Prayer. Paul, why didn't you say the spear, you know, the, the, the spear of prayer? Because they carried a spear as well. Why doesn't he mention prayer? But he does. So he, he, he tells us about the enemy. He tells us the strategy. He tells us the weapons we have. And then look at verse 18, 19, and 20 as I close off. He says, praying at all times. When is that, guys? Always. In the spirits. So it's not, it's not me drumming up. And I start, let him speak to me. Let him say, pray for that. Pray for that person. What about this situation? Pray into that situation. With all prayer and supplication. That's all types of prayer. Praying in tongues, praying with a with a with a normal with our normal tongue, praying in church, coming to the prayer meeting at half past eight, praying at life group, praying when you're at work, <laughs> praying when you're I don't know in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening, all the different types, out loud, more quiet, with people, without people. Every situation, all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Takes perseverance prayer. Ah, I find prayer difficult. I really do. I'm a slack prayer, 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 prayer warrior. But I keep on wanting to improve, and I want, I've got to. It's so essential. Making supplication for all the saints. We've got to pray for everybody. Can you see why we've got to pray all day? <laughs> there's no, no more, there's no, we need all the time. <laughs> then verse 19, he says, also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change. Remember, he's done all of this in prison. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Pray for people who preach. Do you pray for Glendon, for myself, for anyone who, us, the guys who, Terrence sometimes, everyone who preaches, we need to pray for us. That we may speak boldly, that we may speak the truth at all times. Anyone who's doing a public word, we must pray for them. Paul says elsewhere that don't want, don't, don't desire to, to teach. Because God will hold you more accountable. Are we praying? So guys, let's stand up.
Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for Ephesians. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for all the time and the passion and the listening to you that he did while in chains. That we can read this word today and we can be changed by you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for Paul, God. Thank you for Paul. And Lord, thank you for this piece of scripture that you want us to know. Thank you that we are on the winning side. Jesus, you have conquered. You have done everything that is needed for us to live each day, every day, victoriously in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know I think sometimes I don't want to be in a battle every day, all day. I really don't. But I, I never ever on my own, you're always with me and you have equipped me. And Lord, I, I know I have a relentless enemy who's not going to give up. I cannot let my guard down, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the belt of the truth of the whole counsel of God. Lord, I want to be sincere in pursuing that truth. Thank you that you give me righteousness. I am holy in your sight. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given me this gospel that is a gospel of peace that I can go wherever because they're on my feet, enabling me to go in my spirit and my will and my soul wherever. Lord, I want to be more diligent in taking up my, 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 my shield, Holy Father. I want to be more aware of this incredible helmet, this beautiful helmet you've given me that I can walk tall everywhere, every day. And Holy Father, you've given me a dagger that I can use at the right time to spread the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, to defeat the enemy, to love people. Thank you for your word, Holy Father. We stand before you because we can stand in Jesus Christ. We can stand with our heads held high as children of the mighty God. Thank you, Jesus, in the holy and precious, precious name. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for dads. As I'm standing here, I think of my father. I watch my husband fathering. I watch my son fathering. And I say thank you for dads, the unique position that they play. Lord, may each dad be fully armed today. May each dad take up the full armor that you have given him as he fights for his children, as he battles for his children. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.